This episode of the Aquarius Podcast is sponsored by Aquarium Co-op and their amazing all-in-one fertilizer, Easy Green. If you're like me and love planted tanks but weren't born with an aquatic green thumb, Easy Green is the stuff for you. Easy Green is super easy to dose and I use it in all of my planted tanks, both high and low-tech setups. I follow the instructions on the bottle and the results are healthy, vibrant plants. I know so many other Aquarists who swear by Easy Green and their tanks look amazing. You can even go back to previous episodes of this podcast where you hear several guests talk about their experience and love for this stuff. So head on over to AquariumCoop.com, drop some Easy Green in your cart, and use the code Aquarius5 at checkout to receive 5% off your order. And if you needed it, Corey has numerous videos on the Aquarium Co-op YouTube channel where he talks all about Easy Green, how to use it, and shows off his own tanks at home and in the store that are thriving on the stuff. Lastly, if you're enjoying the podcast, share the show with your friends, leave a rating wherever you listen to the episodes, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Now, on to the interview. Today's date is Wednesday, October 10th, 2018. My guest today is Jason Gregory. Jason is the owner of Clear Fabrications Incorporated. Clear Fabrications offers world-class acrylic tanks, steel stands, filters, furniture, and even consulting. Jason has been in business with Clear Fabrications since 2002, where he's provided countless tanks and setups for aquarium retail stores and private enthusiasts of both fresh and salt water. So Jason, welcome to the Aquarius Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, I, I think um, having you on, I think this is going to be a really you know, cool topic uh, to have somebody on that is an actual tank manufacturer, a custom tank manufacturer, um, because you know, so many of my guests are people that you know, they're, they're Aquarius or Aquarius rather, they're, they're home hobbyists, they're people that have aquariums, but we're always focusing on the things in the aquarium, right? We don't ever, you know, I have, I've never taken it farther back up the supply chain, if you will, to actually to the point of manufacture of these glass or acrylic boxes in this tank. And so um, I think this is going to be a really fun, really interesting conversation and definitely a departure from talking about an endangered fish or a goldfish or, you know, an importing business. So thank you very much for, uh, for taking time and, and coming on the show. No problem. Nothing I like better than uh, talking about custom acrylic aquariums. What's <laughs> <laughs> a perfect fit then? All right. So, so Jason, um, you you started though as a hobbyist, correct? Like you you have you have roots Absolutely. as a hobbyist. Okay. And so, um, and dare I dare <laughs> I ask? I don't know the answer to this question before, beforehand. Uh, fresh or salt water? Uh, well, I started my aquarium keeping probably when I was about eight years old. Had a 29 gallon uh, aquarium with the under gravel filter and the air pump and the whole nine yards and and uh, you know kept just community fish and and then uh, you know took a took a little break probably 14 15 you know got interested in other things and then uh, and then in my young you know adult life I I you know, had my first place and I'm like, you know, I want to get a, I want to get a saltwater tank. I mean, that was the goal. And, uh, and so <clears throat> I, uh, started to do some research and, you know, cause I knew that it was expensive, so I didn't want to waste money unnecessarily. So, um, and I found out real quick that I was, I was way under, under the curve uh, I wasn't comfortable spending spending money on anything, so uh, ended up that uh, I had some extra time on my hands, so I, I got a part time job at a very successful fresh and saltwater store, 
uh, that was probably 92, 1992. Uh, and then, then I got a saltwater tank and I could make, you know, some, some better decisions, uh, with equipment and, you know, just learning livestock and compatibility and things like that. That was instrumental into being successful. Gotcha. And so I, I didn't even let you know that primarily this is a uh, this is a show for freshwater. So I'm glad that you at least have your origins in freshwater, so that sure, uh, sure. you know you're not a complete salty guy. But uh, we we won't hold that against you. We, we try not to. Uh, I try not to bash the saltwater guys on here too much. Uh, so. <laughs> So, so set the scene a little bit, I guess a little more context. Um, your business is currently, you're out of Seattle, correct? Yeah. Okay. And so back in 1992, yeah. were you still local in the Seattle area or was this somewhere else in the country? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was uh, born and raised in the Seattle area. Okay. Gotcha. And so now that you, you're working for a, a fresh and, and saltwater store, um, so then how do you start getting into, you know, building the setups? Yeah, well, I uh, I took a look at the the primitive wet dry filters that we had available to us, and and the type of money that they were charging. Uh, and I was just like, man, I can build this. I you know, and I started to research, you know, acrylic, and uh, um, bought some acrylic from a just a general acrylic fabricator. Uh, <clears throat> You know, I thought it was a fortune at the time, but <laughs> times have changed. I mean, you know, it's nothing for for me to spend you know twenty five hundred dollars on a on one sheet of thick acrylic for a big tank. And uh, but anyway, I I took my dad's uh, router that he got for Christmas, like nineteen seventy eight or something like that, <laughs> and uh, you know he'd never used it. And I remember buying my first flush. Uh, cutting router bit. You know, I think I spent like $18 on it. I thought I was a big, big baller at the time and, and, uh, <clears throat> started, started whittling away on some acrylic and learning how to bond it. And, uh, man, you know, humble, humble, uh, beginnings, so to speak, for sure. So I started building, uh, thumps and wet dry filters and things like that. And then when my uh when my boss at the time saw what I I built, he came over to my house to check it out and he's like, "Oh, you got to build me one of these." And it was way nicer than what anything uh that was commercially uh available. And uh then he showed all of his buddies and then it just exploded from there. So I built sumps uh, for people. And, and that's how I got my start. Oh, awesome. And and so what was your, while you were kind of, you know, before your boss came over to your, to your house to check out your setup, um, were you, were you kind of selling sumps on the side then? Like, I guess, how were you finding customers as an outlet for your product? Well, I just, uh, I just, uh, built one for myself first and then, and then my boss saw it. He wanted one. I built him one, and then he sh- showed it off to all the all of his buddies. You know, look at what my buddy built for me, and and then they wanted them all, and then it just exploded from there. And and uh, <clears throat> you know, built some through through the store, 
uh, started selling them to the store that he, he managed and, and, uh, that's just where it started. And, and so then we're, are we back at like what, 2002 at about that point then? Yeah. 2002, 2003. And then, uh, um, I think probably right around 2000 or 19, uh, yeah, that was about, I think about 90, 1996 or seven, uh, that particular manager bought a store, uh, I'll just name drop it, you know, Saltwater City in Bellevue, Washington. Uh, he bought that store and he brought me over and we, we rebuilt all the sumps for the store, you know, big commercial system and, uh, worked on it and got it up to par. And then that store was very successful. And I worked with him for, uh, about seven, eight years. And then, uh, then it was time for me to, to, uh, start my own, my own fabricating, you know, aquarium fabrication business. So, uh, that's, that's the, the general overview anyway. Nice. So, so help a, help a lay person in, in, in sump land. Like I know, you know, I know, I know enough about sumps to, to, to be dangerous and, you know, uh, start a conversation, but probably not be able to finish it. So what was it about your sumps that were so much better than what was commercially available? Well, I used, uh, thicker material, so there was less, uh, potential for failure, uh, Back in the beginning of some, say a lot of three sixteenths inch and a quarter inch uh, material was used, and uh, <clears throat> they weren't very user friendly. Uh, they were just pretty primitive by today's standards, and and uh, so I I uh, advanced the user friendliness of the of the sumps, made them more efficient. And, uh, um, people loved them, you know, they, they perform, uh, I just like, for instance, uh, I just, I just completed a 500 gallon freshwater system for a guy, uh, and running, uh, African cichlids. So he's packing a 500 gallon tank full of African cichlids. So he needed a wet, dry that could perform. So, so I completed a, it's a 288 gallon capacity, uh, sump for him and, uh, 50 gallons of bio balls. So there's no way he could put too many fish in there for him to get ammonia and nitrite spikes. It's wow. Just, that's huge. It, it would be impossible. <laughs> wow. That's more than, more than 50, more than, uh, than half the, the, you know, main tank display is in, is in sump capacity. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a crazy guy. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> when, when he unleashed me on that project, you know, that's, uh, that's what he ended up with. So, yeah, yeah. Very cool. And I, I would say, you know, uh, kind of what you hit on with, the commercial sums kind of using that, uh, you know, the, the thickness that they chose to go with. I mean, it's probably, you know, one of those bean counter decisions of what is the, what's the thinnest and cheapest material that we can use to, you know, increase profits mm -hmm. and, and just kind of skate by with, you know, a, uh, a failure rate that is, is acceptable, right? Like, 
We know sure. that they could use a slightly uh, thicker glass and have better performance, maybe eat a little bit into the margin, maybe pass a little bit on. But I think when they're producing at that mass scale, like that decision really doesn't, you know, I don't, I don't know who's ultimately making the call. But, you know, in the end, the consumer is the one that ends up, you know, getting a kind of a subpar uh product and then you know you've got somebody like you that can come in and and see that that is something that's lacking and actually apply and use an appropriate material um yeah i mean especially when you're talking about water in your home right (laughs) like you know you don't absolutely you don't want to worry about a hundred or fifty or however many gallons even even one gallon of water spilling on your carpet spilling on your hardwood like that's just not something you want to worry about so um i I can definitely appreciate that I've seen I've seen more heaters burn through those uh, commercially available sumps because uh, they use three sixteenths and quarter inch material. You know, if they just pop a heater in there, it'll it could potentially over time burn right through that that uh, thin material. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most of my sumps are uh, a lot of three eighths and a lot of half inch uh, material, and that's you know it's stout stuff. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, nice. And so, for, from your for uh, your business perspective and your your business growth uh, maturity, if you will, at what point did you transition from uh, just doing sumps to actually now you're starting to make the display tanks? Yeah, I started uh, I started building tanks for another manufacturer um, in that ninety seven ninety eight uh, time frame. Worked for him for about three and a half years. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot of things, uh, on how not to run a shop, (laughs) let alone, you know, he didn't really teach me anything that, uh, you know, fabrication wise that I didn't already know, but, uh, you know, how to not run a shop is pretty important stuff. Uh, so in 2002, I, that's when I said, okay, I'm going to build tanks and, and filters and, all different types of fabrication, whatever somebody needs, I'll be able to do. So, um, and that's when I, I opened my doors to, uh, clear fabrications and, and, uh, in the beginning, I just sold, uh, tanks wholesale to, um, to stores and, uh, aquarium maintenance companies and things like that. And then, uh, but I kept getting calls from individuals saying, Hey, you know, somebody referred me to, you. uh, I want a custom tank and it's just way over the store. You know, they're, it's way over what, what they're capable of, of taking on. And so, you know, I always like a challenge. So I took them up on their, their challenge and, uh, was nothing that I hadn't seen before and <laughs> you know customers were extremely happy and and uh would talk my name all over the the back then it was uh all the internet forums for saltwater and and freshwater too um I'd probably split my my business probably 15% freshwater customers and you know the bulk you know, 85% or whatever is, you know, high-end saltwater reef tanks and stuff like that. 
Yeah, I mean, just kind of, you know, from my time perusing forums and just, you know, being in the hobby, that, that's kind of what I would figure as far as, you know, when, when people go that custom route, I feel like they're typically they're typically going to be the saltwater guys. Um, I guess, I guess us freshwater guys, we're just a little bit on the, on the cheaper end and we stick to, (laughs) we stick to glass tanks on a dollar a gallon sale. But I think think at some point in my career, I'm definitely going to step it up and get like a nice acrylic, uh, a nice acrylic setup. Um, and I think we'll talk more probably about the differences between glass and acrylic, but, uh, but again, back to, you know, back to 2002. So then, um, are we talking, are we out of the garage or this is when you actually, you know, you're throwing down money and you've got an establishment, you're actually opening up. Um, somewhere in a commercial district. Yeah, I uh, just like a lot of, you know, uh, startups, you know, they start out of their house and I had a available a two-car garage that I completely turned it into a fabrication st- studio. Um, you know, it was only 25 by 25. So not a lot of square footage, but uh, I put big lights in there, insulated it, uh, re- rewired the whole place for 220 and had an absolute ball, you know, buying table saws and joiners. And, uh, you know, I already had a, a selection of routers at that time, but, you know, making it making it real and, and having a, a dedicated fabrication table. You know, it's got to be flat. It's got to be like a surface plate in a machine shop type of a thing. And uh, that's why I can't, uh, it's impossible for me to not build a flat, uh, perfectly parallel uh, tank. And, uh, you know, and that comes back to the, you know, my, my track record. Track record's everything. I mean, uh, I've got over... 1400 uh tanks in service for the last 16 years and uh and uh a zero failure rate i've never had a tank fail and that's me quality controlling everything at every step of the way and do you have to pay for that sure uh you know i can't compete with a a commercial uh california brand acrylic tank manufacturer that makes a hundred fifty five gallon tanks you know a day <laughs> you know i can't you know they on a massive scale but they have failures i don't yeah i mean uh, a lot yeah. of it has to do with with uh one guy taking it from a full sheet of material to a finished tank and if it doesn't pass at one of those phases, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, just going to push it through. That doesn't, it doesn't work. You're, you know, my, my name is, uh, and my reputation are, is everything. Yeah. I mean, if we, if we just go back to, we talk about, you know, that, uh, the, the catastrophic blow out of a tank, you know, the moment that happens in your house, you're like, man, going with the other guy that was a little bit more, you know, starting to sound like a pretty good deal at this point as I'm, you know, calling the, the local serve pro or whoever it is that's going to come help you clean, yeah. clean your mess out of your house. 
So, you know, sure. I, I, I think, you know, you having your confidence, uh, standing by your craft, right? Like you're a craftsman at this point, right? You're, you're making, um, a high end product. You're making something that's going to be dependable. Um, and you know, to, to be proud of that and to, you know, to kind of whether brags the right word, I think that's completely appropriate. You know, I mean, I think if somebody's out there looking for a custom tank and you know, I think we'll get into features maybe right now, but you know, you, that's the kind of thing that I think you want to know, right? You want to know that your guy treats his treats his uh his product um as though he is a craftsman right because he knows he's a craftsman and he's he's producing a very very high quality product um something that's going to last an yeah. incredibly long time so i i think something else that could differentiate you from a mass producer um is the attention to detail and the the feedback on what customers want in their tank so just outside of dim- just outside of dimensions can you kind of walk me through what are some of the features that you can build into a tank and that you have built into a tank that are, you know, maybe they're one-offs, but they're things that a customer was really, really looking for to be able to do something um, in their tank, whether it's feeding or maintenance or something like that? Oh, it's 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 endless. I don't know if, if we have enough time <laughs> to, to go into to everything, but every every person has, you know, a different the tanks in a different location, you know, there's no, there's no two tanks the same. So uh, the first thing I, that I ask, you know, potential clients is, is what type of animals are you planning on keeping? So if they're, you know, freshwater or saltwater or a reef tank, you know, I I already, I already have, uh, you know, okay, we're going to take this left turn and go down this direction and, and, uh, you know, everybody has a different, different, uh, things that are their hot buttons. Um, most of my clients, they, they, you know, we reverse engineer these reef tanks because they're very demanding environments, uh, water flow, um, you know, how many gallons per hour we're going to run through the sump, you know, cause there's protein skimmers. There's, I mean, it's just, it's endless. And then, you know, some of these people, they want, uh, massive access to their corals and things like that. Cause their hands are wet more than they're dry. I mean, there's, you know, there's people that just, that's what they live for. Um, I mean, I kind of, kind of feel like I'm a, I'm, I'm a drug dealer, you know, giving somebody a fix <laughs> you know, some, sometimes. You're uh, an enabler. I, these were, yeah. The, I mean, the reef tank is, is definitely, it's, driving the the industry and the freshwater guys they i mean they're they're just reaping all the benefits led lights and you know dc pumps and and all these things those are developments for the saltwater guys but um you know just porthole configurations uh overflow boxes you know some you know like probably a freshwater community tank is not going to need the turnover uh you know gallons per hour from the sump pumped into the tank that you know a reef tank does or you know that type of thing so i everything gets reverse engineered and and then and then we can sit down and start making some drawings and and uh dimensions a lot of people come to me because they know that i can stick a, a certain dimension like if they're going to do a flush um you know like a picture frame in in the wall type of a tank and I mean, I've had uh, clients come to me where they say, hey, I I bought this tank from this 
this uh, builder and it wasn't even square, <laughs> you know, and I go to put it in my wall and it, it doesn't fit. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, so I can nail um, very uh, close tolerances, whereas some major manufacturers, they they don't. It's plus their tolerance is uh, plus or minus a quarter of an inch. I mean, that's a mile to me. You know, if I, if I'm off a uh, thirty second, I'm like, ugh. You know, it just it grinds on me. But you know, yeah, no. Uh, I mean, that's 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 all accurate. that's all good things to hear, man. That uh, you know, you're that <laughs> you know, you you treat it as such a perfectionist, you know. And I, I like I said, I can definitely appreciate that. Um, has there has there been an ask for for a feature in a tank that kind of made you scratch your head and you're like, well, you know, you're you're the boss, and if that's what you want, that you know, any request that was kind of out of the norm. Um, not really. I've seen it all. I mean, I've, I've said no to a lot of, a lot of things. Uh, one person, they wanted a tank that was, uh, pretty tall. And then they wanted me to notch it because it would sit under a beam. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't work that way, man. I'm <laughs> sorry. You're talking to the wrong guy. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I I say no to stuff like that all the time. I've I've done uh, formed panel tanks. I mean, you name the the shape, you know, I've built it. Um, you know, I have a I don't have an oven in my shop. I, I'm not interested in in uh, taking up that much room with something that I don't use that often. But I have a company that does all my forming. I build all the the um, templates and and uh build the the form and then they you know cook a piece of acrylic kind of like a kind of like a pizza and drape it over my form and when it cools then it takes that shape it's uh you just can't do that with uh with glass so easily yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, Actually, you know, Jason, that's a that's a pretty good segue. So let's uh, l- let's frame this this uh, you know this conversation or this next kind of series uh, from the lens of you know I'm I'm new to the hobby. I've got some I've got money in my pocket, burning a hole. I want to get a custom tank. Kind of give me the breakdown of glass versus acrylic. Um, obviously, we're talking a lot about the finished product, kind of what you do, your history with acrylic. Uh, but you know, in the world according to Jason you know, glass versus acrylic, what's kind of the breakdown here? Well, the, the, the biggest difference is, uh, uh, acrylic can be, uh, modified, uh, can be repaired. Uh, it can be reconditioned. Uh, there's not a lot of things that you can't do with acrylic, whereas glass, um, you know, you can also look at the warranties on, I mean, that's a huge difference between glass and acrylic. I mean, my, my warranty is, is 10 years unconditional. Whereas glass tanks, I mean, I think the longest glass tank warranty that I've seen is two years. And, uh, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't bode too well with me, (laughs) but, uh, like a big tank, uh, Weight is a huge concern. I mean, I have a buddy of mine that has a 450-gallon glass tank, and it's a it's an Elos. It's a high-end Italian-made tank, and it is heavy. You know, I I tell him, you know, 
Uh, you can borrow my suction cups, but don't, you know, don't plan on me being there because, you know, it's extremely heavy. Uh, whereas a 450 gallon acrylic tank, I mean, four guys can pick it up and carry it wherever you want. Uh, so weight's a big concern. Uh, also clarity acrylic is, is, uh, about as clear as you can get. Whereas glass, unless you get into the low iron type stuff, uh, you know, you're going to have a, you're going to have a green tinge to it. And then the corners, you know, uh, I don't do any, uh, bending of acrylic, uh, cause that, uh, gives you a weak point in the uh the transition between the heated part of the acrylic and the non-heated part it's not the 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 rounded corner that is given the issue it's the transition between the unheated and heated part and you'd have to have a a room to anneal those those tank parts in order to uh to make it right and so i think i think i know what annealing is uh but could you give us a breakdown what is annealing real quick yeah, annealing. You're uh, you're basically heating up the material real slowly, and then uh, cooling it off really slowly, and that relaxes all the molecules in in between that uh, state of where the acrylic's been heated and not heated. So, um, and then everything relaxes, and there's no tension or stress on any any parts on that. So. I don't really have a room to dedicate to annealing parts. So, <laughs> and the, the major tank manufacturers, they don't either. They don't, it's a process that's not, uh, not done on a production tank. So, um, but I, I do all square corners, but I can round them over, uh, with, you know, make the profile a round over and sand, hand sand and polish that to where it looks like a bent front tank or you know i can uh do all kinds of different profiles you know just with a straight chamfer is what mainly people ask for um and when you hand sand and polish polish that it it looks uh looks pretty awesome Mm, awesome and now so Uh, and one of the things i've heard about acrylic right is that um, it can scratch, right? Like that's what, uh, when people talk about glass versus acrylic, it's, you know, well, acrylic will scratch a little bit easier. Um, but is, is that something though, that if, you know, if you know what you're doing, that scratch could potentially be buffed out? Absolutely. Um, you know, acrylic tanks, that's the first thing. I mean, you get, uh, a lot of people, oh, acrylic tanks scratch easy. Well, if you can wash your car without scratching it, then you can take care of a, an acrylic tank. It's it's really that simple. Um, uh, now, if you have a algae magnet that you use, you know you, you'd want to be careful when you start getting close to your sand. I mean, that's just that's just uh, you know fundamentals. Yeah, I, so uh, you carve I, up a glass tank just as easy as you would an acrylic tank. Yeah. But um, with with uh, acrylic, you can you know uh, smooth out a scratch on the inside of the tank with your animals, you know, still in inside the tank, you don't have to drain it or, or anything. So, um, once, uh, once you carve up a glass tank, you're done. It's, it's going to be there forever. 
Yeah, and then I also have the joy of, uh, you know, I'm one of the people that uh, got a got a tank, didn't check it for whether it was tempered or plate glass, and just assumed mm-hmm. that it was going to be plate glass and uh, exploded the side out of a 75-gallon tank because apparently the uh, the producers decided to, or the, the manufacturer decided to use, or they needed to use tempered um, as opposed to the traditional plate. So that was, a, mm-hmm. that was a really fun experience where, you know, that's not really a concern with acrylic, right? Like if you need to drill for an overflow after the fact, that's something that can be done. And you don't have to, you know, take polarized glasses and a, a computer uh, screen exactly. to try to see if you can drill it or not. Yeah, uh, glass takes... Um you know, special diamond tipped uh, drill bits to to put your holes in, whereas you can just use a regular hole saw. And I mean, I have every hole saw known to man and <laughs> every size. And, and uh, you know, a few of them have, you know, thousands and thousands of holes um, on them. And it doesn't, you know, life expectancy of tools is is pretty pretty good with acrylic um but yeah you can swiss cheese a um the bottom of an acrylic tank you know you can put however many holes you want to in there whereas glass you only have you you can only put two holes per you know six inches or i don't know whatever you know different manufacturers have different specifications but you know they'll limit the holes because it's you know, there's a fault line that you're creating when you're drilling holes through glass. Um, but yeah, acrylic is repairable, drillable, um, modifiable. It's uh, it's it's a wonderful material. And here in the Pacific Northwest, where there's power outages, and uh, you know, acrylic will retain that heat longer than a glass tank will. Um, oh, that, that's that's actually so, really cool to know. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard that mentioned. Yeah, the glass tank. You know, they're great for in hot climates for uh, you know, let's say Arizona to shed heat. But in the Pacific Northwest, you know, acrylics king. You know, if you have a power outage, you it's going to retain that heat longer. Oh wow! Uh, oh, very cool. Yeah, that's really uh... great. Really great, great uh, insulator. Yeah, and so let, let's talk about just the fundamentals of bonding, right? So we're not, you know, acrylic, we're not getting this gigantic block and CNC milling it down, right? So we're taking panels just <laughs> like we are with glass, although that'd be kind of cool to see. Uh, we're taking, you know, we're yeah. taking individual panels of varying thickness depending on what size and length and width and all these various, you know, critical dimensions. Um, with glass, you know, we're putting these things together and we're hitting it with a, uh, with a bead of silicone, right? Um, and you know, how long that silicone lasts us, I I think is up for debate, um, whether, you know, the tank sits out after being wet for, you know, uh, an extended period of time can have a, an impact on how long that silicone is going to hold. Um, but what is the, you know, again, kind of basic layman terms, like what, what, what happens when we're, uh, how are we getting those acrylic panels together? Well, um, uh, a typical 90 degree joint in like say the corner of a tank or overflow box a sump or whatever uh, you know you need to make sure that that is tr- a true 90 degrees and then uh, I take a, a jig a 90 degree jig that uh, sets that 
second panel at 90 degrees and uh, um, I machine that edge uh, pretty tight tolerances you know we're talking you know under under a thousandth of an inch in variation between one end to the other it's got to be flat it's got to be straight and uh, and when I mill that down at the uh, edge finishes it looks almost polished and then so i stick those two pieces where they need to be you know i measure probably 15 or 20 times to make sure they're they're where they need to be if it's some goofy dimension you know if the tank needs to be 49 and 13 sixteenths you know that's what it's going to be when it comes out of the shop so um i usually have about a quarter of an inch overhang that I'll flush trim later. And then it's, uh, I use the pin method. I have uh, certain pins that I use certain diameters for certain thicknesses. And, uh, I'll put, uh, I mix my own, uh, solvent. Uh, I can tailor it to different temperature and different humidity conditions. You know, I, I heat and air condition my, my shop to stay within the sweet spot between 65 and 75 degrees and, uh, you know, year round. So, um, I, every batch of solvent that I mix up, I do a strength test. And if it doesn't pass, which I've never had a batch not pass to date and, uh, you know, then I can proceed. So then I'll, I'll lay that solvent in that joint and, uh, you know, too much will make a mess. Not enough will not be a very uh, aesthetically pleasing joint as well as not a very strong joint. So there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of things that go into a good bonded joint. Yeah. And, so, and uh, that, that pin method, right? So we've got, we're, we've got pins, small pins of, of, like you said, varying thickness, diameter, and they're spaced every, mm -hmm. what, so many inches or, you know, so many uh, centimeters or whatever, yeah. whatever you're, you're doing to actually keep those two, those two pieces from touching. And then you're going in between those with your solvent, right? And then you pull pins yep. and it comes into full contact. And then it has that chemical reaction where it basically just welds it. Yeah, it, uh, it, it softens you know, about 30,000 deep in both panels. And, uh, when it, when it, uh, squishes together, it's, uh, you know, physically becoming one part and acrylic tanks are super strong, at least the ones that I build and, and the ones that, uh, I mean, we're putting a, a huge demand on a box. <laughs> yeah. It's got to hold water, you know, for a long time. So, you know, we don't mess around. We, uh, you know, we, we take our edge prep seriously and, you know, all the factors. I mean, there's so many factors. Uh, whereas glass tanks, you know, you just need a little, little bead of silicone, squish it together. And, uh, you know, 
you're good to go. <laughs> Hope and pray that it that it that it st- stays put together for a, a while, you know. Yeah, and, uh, and and something else important to probably point out too for people is that you know while you're talking about going through this you know painstaking process for quality, I mean, you also have money on the line, right? Like you know, sure, sure, it's a it's a tank mm-hmm. for somebody, but until you deliver a finished quality product, like that's on you. Yep. So you want to, and these, and these, and these sheets, like, like you said earlier, what they're, they're, they can get up to a couple thousand dollars for just one of the panels. Right. And now if you're talking about joining two couple thousand dollar panels together, or, you know, now you're putting multiple panels together that have already been formed. I mean, there's a lot of money on the line. It sure is. Sure is. I'd lose a lot of sleep <laughs> if I were you, man. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> you need to be a confident guy that's, uh, you know, well versed in your craft to uh, to play in the the custom acrylic space, man. That's uh, that's for certain. Um, so I, I want to talk more about some of the, uh, you know, some of your customers. Not obviously not in particular, but location wise, I know you're out of uh, Seattle as your home base. But um, where have you delivered tanks to or sent tanks to in the in the country? And have you done any international shipping? Or any international customers, yes. I should say. Yes, absolutely. Um, obviously, I have uh, tanks in Canada. I've got a handful uh, of tanks in Mexico. I've got a bunch. I mean, Hawaii isn't uh, a different country, but you know, it's you know, it's taking a boat ride for sure. So uh, I've got a bunch of tanks in Hawaii. I have uh, tanks as far as Australia. Um, and then in the U.S., I pretty much have tanks in every state on this half of the of the uh, continental United States. And then for some reason, I have a strong following in uh, New Jersey, New York, uh, North Carolina, and Texas. Uh, so I'm I'm consistently shipping uh, to those places. Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually a cool little uh, a little fun fact to know. You know, we're uh, in the United States at least, where you have a, a strong presence. So I don't know, maybe uh, maybe, yeah. maybe the New Yorkers and uh, New Jersey people, maybe uh, your uh, your uh, confidence, maybe that uh, that attracts them. Well, I think I think it's just uh, you know uh, the forums that uh, that were popular years ago, at least for me anyway. Uh, the Facebook pages, the, um, all the groups, saltwater groups, you know, they, you know, see somebody's tank, Hey, where'd you get that? You know, and bam, it just word of mouth is, is incredible. Um, you know, I've been putting, you know, pictures of builds up on my Instagram, uh, page and, uh, I have a page at Facebook, you know, so people can get a hold of me you know, in a number of places. Also, you know, my website gets hits, not as much as uh, you'd think, but, you know, people check it out. You know, I'm not a professional uh, website designer, so that's, uh, (laughs) you know, that probably plays a factor, but, uh, you know, worldclassaquariums.com is, is, uh, you know, yeah, we'll make sure that we have show links to your Facebook, your Instagram, and your uh, your business page. So we'll make sure that uh, that's just an easy click away for the listeners so they can go and check you out. And uh, at the very cool. least, for sure, follow your Instagram, follow your Facebook to see what kind of cool things you're cooking up in your shop. 
Um, cause I mean, who doesn't want to nerd out on seeing really cool, uh, acrylic custom tanks coming out of your, uh, out of your shop. I know I've already, I've been following you for sure. a while now, so it's uh, it's good stuff. You know, it's sure. We all like seeing the fish porn and all that good stuff, but sometimes you just need to see some kind of clean brand new setups. And that's, you know, that, that's a cool part of the hobby too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So when you, go, sure. when you go to a public aquarium, do you kind of like nerd out and, you know, are you looking more at the actual, like aqua- the, the aquarium itself, <laughs> like the, the acrylic, are you nerding out on that at all? Or is, is it just, Oh the- yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I, I appreciate this. Like I, I was just in Las Vegas and, uh, um, uh, what was that? Uh, what was that hotel that we were? Caesars. No, it wasn't. The one with the. I feel like they all have a nice. Uh, they all have nice salt water or, uh, setups in in all of those casinos that you walk through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're definitely impressive. You know, just the size and uh, some of the acrylic uh, thicknesses that are used for these big, huge displays are impressive. I mean, definitely uh, past the scope of what <laughs> of what I do, but you know. Uh, those guys are doing fundamentally the same thing that I do, just on a much larger scale. Would, would That's you, pretty impressive. Would you ever at least once kind of in your career, like is it a bucket list item to, you know, if, I don't know, let's say Seattle Aquarium, right? Like they want to put in this brand new ocean, you know, curved Monterey Bay style aquarium display, right? And they and they tap a couple different custom uh, guys to come work on this like is that kind of a dream like would that be really cool for you to work on or is that something where you know you appreciate it but yeah i want to stay away from that yeah yeah i'd be in the <laughs> latter <laughs> i i uh i have a very very specific uh range that i i work in and and uh that i'm comfortable and confident in and after that yeah, that's somebody else. Yeah, no <laughs> worries. Palmer I mean. comes to mind. I mean, it, it would be really cool to to go and hang out in in uh, those guys' shop. I mean, they do crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Uh, you know, they do stuff for uh, NASA and and you know, like the all the deep sea subs that have a big, huge uh, yeah, sphere yeah. that you can sit in. That's what they do. You know, oh, twelve wow. inch thick uh formed you know shapes uh yeah incredible incredible stuff also not cheap no yeah no (laughs) yeah i'm sure if yeah if you can go down to uh what like the mariana's trench and survive that uh yeah i'd I'd imagine you're not going to be the uh the least expensive thing out there that's for certain yeah so, yeah. so Jason, I want to say, man, thank you very much for coming on and talking about yourself, your your experiences in the hobby, um, your experiences, no you know, just starting out, um, doing what you do, doing what you love, making a, a top quality um, acrylic, you know, whether it's a sump or the full on setups. Um, I, you know, I do want to throw it out there that one of your tanks that you've made um, is incredibly popular on YouTube. It's actually, you know, Corey McElroy's 800 gallon tank that he does, you know, fairly consistent video uploads of him, you know, doing feeding the the clown loaches and, and, the, and the barbs and all the other fish he has in there. You made that tank. So there are a yeah. ton of people listening to this that probably, you know, had no idea who you were, <laughs> but they for sure know that tank at least. I know, and Corey has put up a, a couple of videos that do feature your shop. Um, I'd encourage people to go check those out. Maybe I'll even link those in the show notes too. But, um, you know, aside from, you know, you, you clearly have 
um, a, a very, very popular tank out there that, you know, Corey's got very uh, demanding tastes. And, you know, the fact that you produced a, a, actually several tanks for him, you know, that, that definitely speaks to uh, to your quality as well. Yeah, that was a fun, that was a fun build. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely impressive watching, you know, the hundreds and hundreds of fish that are in there. It's a, it's a cool tank. Yeah, it, it really is. So yeah, clear fabrications that, you know, whether people know it or not, I mean, they, they, at least if they listen to this show, they, they now know that that was your work and I hope they, uh, check out your, uh, your site and, you know, even if they're not in the market for a custom tank, just to follow you on, uh, on Facebook and Instagram. So Jason, thank you very much again for uh, taking time this evening. Uh, I've really enjoyed my conversation with you and definitely learned, uh, you know, a few more things about acrylic tanks, man. I really appreciate it. Cool, no problem. All right, Jason, you take care. Have a good night now. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you again for listening to the Aquarius Podcast. As always, get involved in your local fish club, help grow this wonderful hobby, and have fun with other fish nerds.